Welcome to Cleveland Schmooze, a bi-weekly podcast about the people who make up Jewish Cleveland. I'm your host, Rachel Rood. And I'm her mom, Robin Rood. This week, we're bringing you an interview with LGBT rights activist and my former Hebrew school teacher, Greg Levine. And Greg and I go back to our middle school days at Wiley Junior High in University Heights. <laughs> Greg's known for his years working with the Human Rights Campaign, and he helped bring the Gay Games to Cleveland in 2014. We sat down with Greg at B'nai Asheron Congregation in Pepper Pike. I'm really delighted to be talking to you. It's so cool <laughs> when you teach at a synagogue and then all of a sudden your students grow up and then you see them. And I'm actually having some of my students' kids that I'm teaching. That's sort of sort of cool. Wow, that's <laughs> awesome. Let's start by telling us, you know, some of the Jewish customs that you remember growing up. Well, my um, greatest connection to being Jewish are my grandparents. Mm-hmm. So all four of my grandparents came from four different places in Eastern Europe, and uh, we grew up, they were Orthodox Jews, we grew up every other Shabbat with my mother's um, parents one Shabbat and my father's parents the next Shabbat. So grew up in a really traditional Jewish background that we uh, we just knew we were Jews and practiced Judaism, and we sort of li- lived in the University Heights at that time, Jewish shtetl. All of our friends were Jewish, and our family was Jewish, and it was just the way we were. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then as I, as I grew up, and it was more of a choice, I knew that it was an important part of the fabric of who I am. And so today, here I am, almost doing the same thing, just about three miles to the east with a, just a little older group of people. Uh, so it's being Jewish is just part of who I am. It's interesting you grew up surrounded by Jews, and then you went to Ohio State University where you were president of the AEPI Jewish fraternity. So was there ever a point where you weren't really always surrounded by other Jews? So I remember that when I was a freshman in college, I put up a mezuzah on my dorm of my college door, and uh, I actually had two Jewish roommates that I had known for many, (laughs) many years. And uh, one evening, and most of the floor wasn't Jewish, one evening uh, we were in our room and there were a bunch of guys on the floor who were obviously drunk. And uh, they made a comment about the Jewish guys in that room and, the, and that they were kikes, and they had taken down our mezuzah. Yeah. And I had never, ever experienced anything like this before. Uh, so that was a bit of an awakening that, hey, you're no longer in University Heights, Ohio. Yeah. You're in the real world. So, yeah, I think that in, in part uh, there's a bit of a wake-up moment that uh, the whole world isn't Jewish. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about your teaching here at the B'nai Asheron Congregation. How many years have you been doing that? Are you still doing it? So I started teaching when I was at Ohio State, quite frankly, because I needed a little extra money for beer. <laughs> so uh, I found yeah. this job like teaching... All teachers. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that was the start of it. So I found this job teaching on Sunday mornings. It was actually in a Reformed congregation in Columbus. And I had to have to admit, there were some Saturday nights after partying quite a bit with my uh, fraternity brothers. I thought, <laughs> how am I going to get up and teach on a Sunday morning? But I always managed to do it, and I, and I found that I loved it. Mm-hmm. I love teaching the students, and I learned so much from my students, just like I'm learning a lot from you. Like, I learned what a podcast <laughs> was from you a half hour ago. So you continue to learn from your students. So I started teaching, frankly, for beer money, and I found that I loved it. So then, as I mentioned, the company moved me around all the time. So Mm -hmm. as I would get a new job in a new city, 
I would go to the generally the conservative synagogue and say, hey, I'm new in town. I don't know anyone. Do you need a teacher? Mm -hmm. Thinking that this is something I would enjoy doing. Plus, then that Jewish community would become my Jewish community, and mm -hmm. they became my family away from Cleveland. Mm -hmm. And then when I moved back to Cleveland, I went back to my home congregation of B'nai Yashurin, mm -hmm. and I said, hey, would you like me to teach? And they said, sure. So I think I've been here for like 32 years now. I'm trying to remember what you taught. <laughs> well, I'm glad I had such an impact on you. Well, sometimes it has it's, something to do with philosophy, right? So, so sometimes I think it's more important that my students know that there's a teacher who they can relate to, right. who loves Judaism, who philosophically is aligned with them is even more important than the specific material that we yeah. teach. So gosh, I've taught about Israel, yeah. I've taught about politics, mm -hmm. holidays, uh, life cycle events, um, Jewish values. Mm -hmm. To me, it's not as important what I teach, <clears throat> but how I teach and how we make connections. Right. Because Judaism is all about connections. And to me, the most important thing is to connect to our students so that they want to continue to be Jews mm -hmm. in whatever way it is. Right. It may not be religiously, it may be culturally, right. so that the, Jew the Jewish people continue. And something I've always kind of struggled with, and I think, I feel like I remember exploring in, in your class were questions about, okay, what's actually literally in the Bible? And then how can we relate that to our modern day lives? And you know, reconciling with the fact that there are things in the Bible that we don't really agree with anymore today. So, you know, that's a you know, really interesting story because when I first started teaching here, I was very, very much a closeted gay man. Mm. And the conservative movement was at nowhere near where they are today on accepting LGBTQ people. So in the beginning of the years of teaching, I actually had a pretty significant inner conflict really? about how do I... <clears throat> reconcile some of the teachings of the conservative Jewish movement from where I was personally. And it took me some time through talking to teachers, rabbis, people that I respect, to have the courage to, in fact, at the right time, come out first to the rabbis and then the principals and then the parents, and to understand when was and how was the appropriate time to bring in some of those personal struggles that I've had with Judaism, specifically conservative Judaism, and where I was and who I am. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that took some time. And whether it's LGBT issues or kashrut issues or issues involving women, right. all of these issues are a challenge at times. Uh, and, and I think it's just been taking some patience to learn and to study and accept and to grow. Was there ever a point in your own personal Jewish identity where you thought, like, why would I want to be a part of a religion that doesn't accept who I am or, you know, who I might want to marry? So, uh, yes, and I had at one point uh, an issue where there was a statement made by a leader in this congregation, actually specifically quoted in the Jewish news, and here I am teaching, and I thought, oh my God. And so I struggled with um, leaving. And I had some direct conversations with other people that I trusted about this other leader. And uh, that person encouraged me to know that you change lives one person at a time. Mm -hmm. And that I needed to continue to work and make changes from within instead of without and outside. And so I never ever quit teaching right. or supporting B'nai Sharon. And I feel good about that in some way I could have been part of 
their journey and their learning and their education by being part of this community. Had I quit, uh, I don't think I would have been able to have the same impact. So yeah, there were times when it was difficult, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I, I'm happy that I stayed, stayed the course. And, you know, we should mention that you had one of the first Jewish gay weddings in uh, Cleveland after gay marriage became legalized in 2015, and you had many clergy people there. That was kind of amazing. How did you feel in that moment? So that was really a a remarkable moment for me. So over the years, um, many uh, rabbis have been very, very supportive and loving, Um, and some very, very questioning, still loving and supportive, but questioning. So when we finally reached the moment that we decided to get married, uh, at that point we had uh, belonged to three different congregations. So my my husband Howard grew up in a Reformed congregation Mm -hmm. and is very active in the Temple Tepharath Israel, and we have some very, very close relationships with, with all the clergy there. I grew up here at B'nai Yashurin, mm-hmm. and Rabbi Weiss and I have studied and learned together about LGBT issues, and mm-hmm. Rabbi Weiss um, came along the journey and became very, very accepting. And so I have a close relationship with the clergy here. Mm-hmm. And then over the years, some of our closest friends became rabbis and have moved to various cities. So you're right, mm-hmm. uh, at our wedding uh, there were seven rabbis and canners that participated, and mm-hmm. 32 years ago. We, we couldn't imagine one single rabbi yeah. who would potentially marry mm. us under the chuppah. Uh, and uh, here we are, the world's changed. And so it was a joy to celebrate our wedding with all of these clergy that uh, became really, really important parts of our lives. So yeah, it was a wonderful, wonderful moment. And were they also wearing the rainbow ties? My husband <laughs> Howard knew every single detail of this wedding, <laughs> except one detail that I, I surprised him on, and that was we sent out to all of the guests and mm-hmm. said, surprise, we want all of you to wear li- the, this rainbow bow tie and don't tell Howard. <laughs> so everyone arrived at the wedding wearing a rainbow bow tie. Yeah. And he was pretty surprised. <laughs> and we were all there together as one community of rainbow bow ties. Yeah. And it was, it was a lot of fun. That's fun. awesome. I do want to ask, though, you know, this just might be that I don't know the LGBT Jewish community that well, but do you think that there has been, you know, other examples that you've seen of of more gay Jewish couples coming out and and getting married in Cleveland? Or, you know, I I just don't know if I've seen it that often. Yeah, I think that um, the the Jewish community in Cleveland, uh, a lot, uh, a lot of my generation, because Cleveland was not a warm and welcoming place for gay people, left. Mm. So many, many of my friends in my generation live in Chicago, live in New York, live in Atlanta. And so you don't hear about that many folks uh, my age, my generation, here doing that. Uh, that's why, as, since part of the beginning part of this discussion, we've always loved Cleveland and stayed here, and I'm really, really blessed. Mm -hmm. Uh, I met Howard, he's five years older, he also had deep, deep roots in Cleveland, Mm -hmm. and he also chose not to leave. Mm -hmm. And so we are, uh, there aren't a lot of uh, traditional Jewish gay couples that have stayed here all these years. But there certainly are others, and I remember when we started, we were very, very, very closeted. Mm-hmm. We started this congregation called Hevri Tikva, which was a right. which was a synagogue made up of people who were gay and Jewish, very, very closeted, who really wanted to find each other, and they just were not welcome in other congregations. 
And over the years, that congregation, uh, which was really very, very much underground, uh, became very, very much a place where gay Jews first coming out could come to and feel safe mm -hmm. and welcome. I had no idea that you know even existed in Cleveland. That's awesome. Yeah, Hemetik was started. Uh, well, it's much longer than Howard and I have been together, so mm -hmm. it's 35, 36 years ago. Yeah. And um, over the years, has sort of come out. Right. Uh, eventually, it was part of the reform movement. Mm -hmm. uh, we would have rabbis who were uh, rabbinical students from HUC in Cincinnati who would visit us. Mm -hmm. and eventually, we had a part-time rabbi. And uh, eventually, the congregation figured out, you know something? We don't really need to exist as a separate congregation. We're welcome. <laughs> and so Hebrei Tikva became an affiliate, sort of a chavara of Anshli Chesed Fairmont Temple, and it exists there today. So I want to talk a little bit more about your involvement with LGBT rights in Cleveland, and you were involved with bringing the gay games here in 2014. I just wonder if you think your you know, human rights advocacy comes from the Jewish idea of tikkun olam, you know, repairing the world and, and trying to make the world a better place. So certainly um, the Jewish values that I learned growing up at B'nai Asher and uh, are the foundation of, of who I am. It's sort of the kishkas, uh, the soul. Mm -hmm. And learning about tzedakah and tikkun olam uh, are, are primary parts of who I am today. So I think it, my activism began with realizing that I was gay and I was Jewish and I didn't feel welcome anywhere. Mm -hmm. So that's why we started Chavar Tikva. And starting that synagogue and all it meant was the foundation of really getting involved and LGBT issues. And certainly as a Jew who knows that I've been discriminated against, uh, I told you the story about being discriminated against in my college. freshman year at right. college when uh, our mezuzah was torn down from our dorm door. Uh, as Jews, we know what discrimination is. So we as Jews need to fight for all people who are discriminated against. LGBT issues, uh, African Americans, new immigrants. So the work that, that I've done for fighting for civil rights for LGBT people, uh, we continue to do uh, mm -hmm. for all other communities that are that are disadvantaged and discriminated against. Thanks for listening to Cleveland Schmooze, a podcast produced by Rachel and Robin Rood. Tune in every other Friday to get the latest episode in your podcast feed. You can also find an archive of our episodes at our website, clevelandschmooze.com. And feel free to share any comments or suggestions to our email, clevelandschmooze at gmail.com. That's schmooze spelled C-A-S-C-H. <laughs> That's schmooze spelled schmooze. <laughs> Perfect.